Hello everybody and welcome to She Talks Tech, where I profile women in technology and STEM careers. My aim is to elevate and amplify their stories and inspire more women to join this field. Through detailed interviews with successful women in technology and STEM, I explore their career paths, challenges, successes, and advice for aspiring professionals. Join me as I celebrate the achievement of women in technology and STEM and discover the diverse and exciting opportunities available in this field. And in today's episode, I have one of the amazing women. I can't wait for you guys to meet her because she's really like um, amazing. I've had the pleasure to, uh, to work with her at some point. Um, and it's just been such a beautiful experience. Welcome to her. Thank you, Chilani. Thanks for having me. Uh, oh. And hello to your listeners. How are you doing? How is it going? Look, I think life has been a bit weird. 2023, <laughs> as we've said, it's just rushing by. Yeah. And at the same time, it just feels like there's so much happening and so little happening at the same time. <laughs> so adjusting to both that slowness and like hastiness of life has been interesting. And especially in tech, a lot is happening in tech. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot is happening with AI. Yes. You know, <laughs> uh, great things happening, but also threatening things happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's really hard keeping up. But at the same time, I think it's refreshing to see so many leaps taking place um, in this time frame that we are in. And to experience that, I think, is also it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see the things that tech can do to change the world in a good good way. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. I am also excited to be healthy and alive. I mean, what a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a year. <laughs> what a year already. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I really fully agree with you because like there's a lot going on in this year and, and, and it's, it's, it's the simple things, man. It's the fact that you're alive and so and also Absolutely. thank you so much for honoring this invite because I think when I was thinking of people that I wanted to talk to you, um, you were part of the list and it's it's really amazing to have you here. Um, so I want to start from the beginning, right? I want to start from the very early days. I believe you grew up in Limpopo, am I wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I just want you to, like, let let us in in the very early early days of Teboho, Teboho Mugwena growing up in, in Limpopo. Yeah, no, thanks. So um, I grew up in a little town called Bergesford. Many people don't know where that is on the map, really. <laughs> We and all know Vegas for that one. Not many people do. <laughs> and I think it's only recent that Google yeah. Maps honored it on the map. But I remember when I was <laughs> in high school and trying to explain where Burgersford is. Mm-hmm. And I think that time it there was a, a transition. It used to be in Bumalanga and then all of a sudden it became in Bogosford. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of the maps had not updated things and it was really hard to find it. But anyway, mm-hmm. I grew up in... Um, I guess you can call it rural. It's rural Limpopo. Yeah. And I was raised by a single mom. And uh, we were basically, I'm a third born of four girls um, and two stepbrothers. So it's quite a big, the little girl <laughs> used to play with a lot of um, boys. Mm-hmm. So my age mates in my family were actually my cousins who were yeah. all boys and they were all so naughty but the other thing I really appreciated was how 
um, it gave me the freedom to really, I was allowed to actually so-called think like a boy, right? Mm -hmm. And that meant building little minds um, on our playground instead of being the mom uh, whenever yeah. they played those little play stuff. Um, and then I was also allowed, I remember the one one day with my cousins, they had this idea that we should build a radio out oh, of wow. plastic stuff. So we went to the dumpster and it, like right opposite my house and we picked up a lot of broken stuff including an old radio so the facade of the radio and then yeah. we decided with my older cousin that we were going to make this radio work from scratch wow so I remember we patched up I think I was probably around seven and we patched up uh, these wires and we needed to test that this thing worked so while my mom my mom was taking a bath we plugged them into the socket and um, I got electrocuted in that in that uh, in that experiment oh actually nearly died it was like a proper electrocution <laughs> but the radio worked the radio actually worked and we heard the signal you know the shh oh, wow um, and that was amazing so I think I'm so grateful that well we were beat up a lot as well because mm -hmm. boys always get naughty and then they break things and then all of you have to take the hiding for it yeah um, so that was really my childhood growing up. And I think I'm really grateful that I was allowed to so-called had the permission to think like a boy. And I think that's a privilege that many girls, especially in like those settings or in, in like areas uh, mm -hmm. where it's conservative, are not necessarily given the freedom to. Um, and I think that also played a significant role in my career as a woman in tech, because yeah. from very early on, I could kind of explore the so-called things that were conventionally meant for boys yeah um I think outside of that I really love drawing many people I, I was actually pretty good at, at like art Interesting. and in grade two yeah so grade yeah. two is when I set up my first business which was an art business oh my goodness I, you have always I been an entrepreneur <laughs> I, I think that I think so too I mean, the thing that my mom always told me is like you love money which is still the case <laughs> I love money and when I was in grade two I had a business uh that was you know during I noticed that a lot of the kids during Mother's Day Valentine's and whatever just don't have gifts to give their parents and don't even know where to start so I was like no it's fine I'll make it seem like you created this card but you have yeah. to give me two rand for every card that I draw for you oh my god that's how it started and I was in a Catholic school so that was not allowed so when the principal found out you know I justified this whole action as a way to promote creativity and entrepreneurship um and anyway she killed my business um then but it, at least I launched and I had a few clients customers then um and then when I was in grade four so my grandfather has this interesting concept uh where if your math report sorry if your report um well, I think all the kids that were in primary school had to give him uh the reports at the end of this each quarter mm -hmm. and if your math marks were over 80 percent you qualify, you're basically automatically recruited to come work for free at his uh, shop, right? <laughs> and he made it seem like, oh, this is the best opportunity you could possibly think of. Um, and why that was interesting for me was because I was going to count money all day long. <laughs> that was somehow <laughs> so satisfying. Oh, God. So I had good grades and I was, I guess, recruited to, to now come and intern 
and his count money. Shop. Exactly. Uh, and uh, the store was literally in the rural, rural so areas called Pinch. This, uh, what is the alcohol company called again? The um, Black Label? Oh. Yeah, the, the bigger, the brewery. Yeah, when the brewery trucks come and ah, deliver, yeah. mm -hmm. you then sell to smaller spaza shops in uh -huh. the area. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so part of your, part of the work when you start is you're just counting money and you have to identify what, what is counterfeit you know uh, yeah yeah and then progressively as you get, get to grade six when I got to grade six I was now promoted to be like <laughs> the front man whatever front uh person. were you at the cashier yes I was now at the cashier and I was a bit looking at invoices I was stock taking so when and I think I remember the one time he left me all by myself and there were two big coca-cola trucks That were offloading hundreds and hundreds of crates. Oh my. And I had to figure out a way to make sure no scent was lost because geez, my grandfather was like so frugal, still is. Yeah. So if you lose a scent on an order, uh, it's a problem. So I had to make sure double count, triple count. And he was like, you need to use your math skills here. This oh, is wow. how you apply things in real life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also when the payments happen, you need to make sure that, you know, the balances make sense. And and and, and. so that felt like a big responsibility, um, especially when you're like in grade six. And um, but I think I'm grateful that those things actually also felt like some sort of application of real life mathematics yeah. because a lot of times you just don't find ways to apply those things so that's really how I grew up I mean I was always kind of in that realm playing with boys Tamani uh, which made me so happy I never really had a lot of girl like friends that were girls when mm -hmm. I was growing up um, I don't remember having dolls before, but I used to suck my thumb so I guess <laughs> <laughs> that's the only balance <laughs> so yeah that 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 summarizes again my childhood in a way oh it actually sounds like a very a very um colorful childhood in a way uh like this innovation there's really trying things out and there's like this feel fearlessness of actually just like going for it and also this entrepreneurship in there so who who's who's like your role model in this case is it your grandfather Or is it your mom? I think a bit of both. Yeah. Um, I think my mom played a, an important role in that. She was a teacher. She still is a teacher. And uh, I think a lot of the passion I had early on to try and apply the things I learned, either by transferring knowledge to others or mm -hmm. applying those things, I kind of gained from her. And surprisingly, my mom told me that she used to be good at painting as well. So I guess the artistry yeah. and the yeah. creativity comes from her as well. And then with my grandfather, he had such an incredible work ethic. You know, obviously when you're six years old or 10, you don't understand the importance of someone getting and having a morning routine. Yeah. Um, and he obviously, old people just... I don't know what keeps them up or makes them wake up at 5 a.m., but that was important to him. And he would always have such an incredible work ethic. By eight o'clock, he's ready. He's read the newspaper, the routine. He, you know, only watches TV for this long. And, and, and so I think a lot of that work ethic gained from him. And then two, I, I suppose the entrepreneurial side as well. 
but also the other interesting thing is my grandfather uh, was the first person in his family to break the so-called generational curse or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. and so he was the first in his family to finish school um, made sure that all his kids went to varsity in fact because his family was so poor he after high school he had to go and work in the trucks drive trucks etc just to get his family through yeah and after he took all his kids to varsity when he was 67 years old he enrolled for a BCom degree in ECOS at the University of Limpopo, wow. sat down every single day in the classroom what? and finished his degree. He was the oldest, probably the oldest graduate wow. they have. And he, and when I asked him, why, why did you have to do that? I mean, you're fine now. You have a business. You've mm -hmm. kind of taken all your kids to school. And he said, this I'm doing so that you, my grandkids, would know that you cannot, you yeah. cannot go anywhere below this level right which because is who did you see it from exactly so he was like now for my kids i expected yeah. one degree from you guys i can't just you can't just stop at degree and so you kind of have to like continuously be curious about learning and education mm -hmm. um and 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 so i, I think for, from him i learned the balance that you can actually be curious and like want to understand things from a, an academic point of view um, or from an educational point of view but also you can also be an entrepreneur or like you know build stuff at the same time so what it allowed me um, was the freedom to realize that you can't you, you don't have to exist in like uh, as a one-dimensional yeah person right you can be well-rounded so you can be creative which is the thing I learned from my mom you can be entrepreneurial which is something I learned from my grandma, grandfather, you can also be driven and, and kind of curious and mm -hmm. learn things that don't necessarily have to do with the everyday stuff that you do. Um, and, and also, I think the thing I learned from my cousin is that in all of that, you can still find room to play. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, I think that just sums up all the people that have been influential in my life um, and mm -hmm. which also does sum up kind of the life that I modeled for myself um, yeah. yeah 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 oh that is beautiful and and really kudos to to all I guess three of them in this case um it's really just yeah. so, so beautiful to to actually it sounds to me like you pretty much had a good base of just people to look up to but also really model and 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 still from in terms of inspiration and other stuff um, Um, and then you you pretty much, I guess, from childhood majored in three three degrees, like triple. How does one triple <laughs> have, <laughs> have three majors? How does how does it happen and what is the intention there? Wow. So I would actually say no, it was never the intention <laughs> to actually really get three degrees at the same time. Because it really sounded crazy to me as well. Yeah. And I was tricked into it. So when I got to UCT, um, initially I thought I wanted to do medicine. And then something just switched in my mind two weeks before registration, which was no, 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 no. Like this would not allow you to actually create stuff. Like medicine just would allow you to practice, but not 
to you know build something mm -hmm. and so you know I just got this random wave of clarity saying no 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 yeah you, you actually want something that's going to allow you to build stuff and I don't know what that meant I don't know exactly what that uh involved the closest thing I could research which was which was my backup plan at UCT was I had also registered um when I applied my second option was uh biochemistry um and mind you two weeks before um school starts I had already a, a scholarship for medicine because it's so easy to get a bursary for medicine. <laughs> and now I'm telling my mom, hey, so uh, I'm going to forfeit that thing, right? And I actually need 40,000 rand of registration in two weeks' time, oh which would come from your pocket. <laughs> so you can imagine this reaction, which was, uh, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? And, and my, my explanation was, well, you see, the thing is, I, I saw Grey's Anatomy and, and medicine was was just going to allow me to practice this stuff, but I really want to create stuff. And my mom was like, I don't understand. Isn't that the same thing? I'm like, no, no, no. Biochemistry would allow me to actually make the medicine, whereas medicine, just being a doctor means you're just practicing. Yeah. You know? And I was like, and she was like, hmm, okay. Okay, fine. Thankfully, she was supportive, mm -hmm. um, but it obviously required a lot of sacrifice from her um and and I'm and I'm grateful that she she was so supportive so ended up going to UCT with a BSc in biochem now yeah. when you register as first year they always ask you to take a double major at UCT because they know things go wrong yeah um which is the case I think people always maybe change their minds midway or you just don't realize that the thing that you started just doesn't resonate and 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 so I had no no idea what biochem was about, really. Yeah. Um, and so when I when I registered, they said, "Look, a major that makes sense with biochem is genetics." And I was like, "Okay, fine. I know, and I have an idea of genetics from life science in in matric. Yeah. So I'll take that." But then there was this um, supervisor, Michelle, who I'll never forget, Michelle Professor Michelle Cattle, and she said, "Hey." I think she was motivating every woman in STEM to take computer science as an yeah. elective because she was the only professor at UCT mm -hmm. that double majored still, even in, when she did her PhD in computer science and chemistry. Yeah. So she was like, no, 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 take computer science. And by that time, clearly, I had no idea what code was. I have never seen this thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, what do you mean? What is this thing? But she said, and I, I asked her this, I was like, okay, so if I take computer science, do, do I still need to do physics? And she said, no. And I was like, okay, then we have a deal. <laughs> a good motivator. <laughs> exactly. I was like, then I don't have to, to worry about physics and all that stuff. So we had a deal. And uh, I remember, you know, the agreement there was, okay, I'll just take it because as an elective, computer mm -hmm. science was always my elective. Yeah, I can take it up until the end of first year and second year I can continue with my two majors, yeah. no stress. End of first year, what ended up happening was for some reason I passed math. Okay, I guess math was always my thing. I aced math. I ended up acing computer science. Don't ask me how <laughs> because I really don't think I grasp most of that stuff. 
And I went back to her and I said, look, I think I'm starting to enjoy this computer science. It's seeming a bit like mathematics and mm-hmm. weird syntax things. But anyway, I think I, I could I could really, I'm curious to learn more. Yeah. And uh, I said, can you advise me on which major I should then drop so I can take maybe computer science and one of the other bio majors? And she said, well, look, from your transcript, your math is good. Your this is good. Why don't you triple major? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I was like, sorry, lady. What do you mean? Has that, has anyone done that before? Is that a common thing? And she said, no, you know, the thing is, and I was like, okay, tell me who graduates in record time. How many majors do they have? Mm. Those people on average. And she says, mm, maybe one, one to two. <laughs> and I said, so you want me to take You're three? setting me up, ma'am. Exactly. I was like, so what are you trying to do here? And she said, no, I promise you, I will support you. And, 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 um, and I was like, okay, okay, let me think about this. I am not sold yet, but I will think about it. And she was like, okay. And the other thing you need to know, this is what she said, your timetable will not make sense. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, no, some classes will overlap. So you'll have to choose one and you'll have to catch up on the other. And I was like, but how does it make any sense? So no, it's it's an easy (laughs) no. But she really pushed for it. And she said, okay, fine. If you do need to drop, then take genetics and and, uh, computer science and whatever. Um, and I had to think long and hard. And at the end of it, because there was another woman who told me she she really believed that I could do this. And yeah. she, with some experience of what I was, I guess, learning, um, said it was possible. And so there, when I went home, I was like, hmm, why not? Yeah. I mean, really, why not? Let me give it a try. At, at worst case scenario, I fail one. That one is the one I drop. And then we continue with two, life moves mm-hmm. on, like it's okay. Yeah. So that's exactly what I did. And uh, because of her support throughout the journey, um, I was even I was I even ended up doing a um, study abroad at UCLA in in California. And um, she helped quite a lot in that undergrad yeah. research and helping me get those credits and scholarships and whatnot. Um and I only realized in retrospect, you know, the only thing that's really made me pass three majors was because someone else said I could do it. And so I yeah. had to prove that I could do it. Wow. And also what what stopped what could have stopped me from not doing that was because I would have decided that I couldn't do it or that it wasn't for me. Yeah. And so I think in retrospect and, and maybe throughout my life, I realized. Really, I think there's always that moment where you either choose to take mm-hmm. that leap of faith yeah. and have that faith in yourself mm-hmm. um, or you choose not to. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that's always the defining moment for me. Um, so, yeah, I can't say it was because of my own intellect or any of that stuff yeah. because I'd be lying. <laughs> this is like, honestly, it's a, such a cool story. Firstly, because I've never met someone who triple majored um I mean, it's hard to find someone who actually like double majored because it takes a lot of work and acing that all together and you look at like the, the the accolades of all the 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 majors that you had they required time so much effort that needed to be put so honestly kudos to you and i think 
um, most of it still plays out today in, in your career. So then um, because you have like these three majors, what then makes you decide that computer science is the one that I want to get into? Yeah, look, I think <laughs> I I honestly don't know. And if, if, if you told me while I was doing my degree that I would end up being this computer science person or software engineer, I would have said, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. But what ended up happening is in third year, I remember there was a consulting company, a few consulting companies that were recruiting. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of interest around people in comside. So people that were getting offers mm-hmm. were mainly comside people, right? And I thought after my first degree, I was just going to go study on, do my honors, do my masters, da da da. Um, I'd actually never considered working, but then I, in third year, I took another, so during my holidays, um, I, I did this other, uh, it's called I experience. It was an interesting experience of learning, uh, mm-hmm. mainly from ComSci. So they basically teach you with other students from Ivy League schools who come to Cape Town and do like four, six weeks, I think, or two months of experience they call it experimental learning yeah so you learn in groups you build stuff they actually teach you a new language programming language and then you have to build something that has a social impact at the end of those six weeks of learning um and it was pretty intense so from that experience I was like oh my god I could I mean with the skill I could build anything yeah you know so the first thing I built from that project uh with my friend Rachel who was at Stanford we built this ed tech company that allowed people uh these matrix matric kids in uh, Kailicha access material um that were on the same material actually study material from um private schools because what happens in government schools is most most kids actually just the schools just decide oh your your uh, physics teacher resigned yeah we're not going to replace them um for another five months and you're mm-hmm. in matric you don't have five months to waste yeah. so what do you do in that interim so it was really mirrored around this this girl that we met and spoke to who was in matric who was in a school they had no physics teacher and physics and chemistry as you know were linked at that point yeah so essentially half of the curriculum and, and the thing that would allow them to further on um, their lives and maybe get into, um, you know, uh, programs in universities or uh, choose the career paths that they want yeah. was threatened just because of this. And they didn't choose to be in public schools. So yeah. that was the main thing. I was like so passionate about this. And I was like, oh, how cool that I actually could use this skill to solve this problem. Is this Patchett? So that's when I really, yes, that was Patchett actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we built a platform from Patchett called uh, Fundanati. Yeah. And uh, Fundanati was really just like a, I guess, a platform that's a social platform where anyone can upload um, materials yeah. from their public's public, private or public schools. And you could also volunteer to be a tutor or share knowledge with, with mm-hmm. kids and stuff like that. Um, so that was cool. And that was the first time I actually felt I could apply this thing and I could build something new and, and cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that changed everything for me. And so I was interested, 
um, in learning what careers there were because I really didn't even know that a software engineer is someone who applies code like I was that that completely in the dark in, in this kind of space so then what happened was um someone at Alan Gray um which is a financial services business um then reached out and said hey you know we are recruiting and we're looking for women of color in tech um and you know we think we can give you an offer and and and, and you know after a couple of months of them trying to convince me um i then decided to to basically join mm-hmm. and so that was how i ended up in that i really didn't even know <laughs> what it took to be a software engineer and then from there i think as i learned and learned and i got curious and, and kind of just took that stream um yeah it sounds like a, mm-hmm. a journey and, and a beautiful one at that because I think um, something that is really inspirational is really just applying your skills to, to actually even give back, um, mm-hmm. which is something that I really like. I really commend and find inspirational to a lot of women who are within this space. And um, it's it's the selflessness for me that is just like, mm-hmm. hey, listen, I want to I wanna be able to use what I have to, to actually... Uh, bring others um, with with me. Um... I I actually want to get into the experience of you now being um, in L- Ellen Gray, and it's your first job in this case. Mm-hmm. How does that look like? Um... Yeah. So again, with my curiosity, I okay. Let me take a step back. So when I got into Alan Gray, I was um, hired to join this team called Alan Gray Online, which yeah. is, uh, if, you, if you're if you a client of Alan Gray uh, or want to sign up to be a client of Alan Gray, you just go on this online, I think it's called Alan Gray Online, and you can sign up to be a client. You can yeah. look at your investments. You can actually even um, purchase certain investments like Unitrust and and and. So before... Uh, my team, this particular platform was mostly used by advisors. So if you're lucky enough to have a financial advisor, Mm -hmm. they would sign up for you and then do that stuff for you. And so it was important, increasingly important, because Anne Gray wanted to target the everyday people um, to open the unit trust and, 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 and. And so they thought it was important for us to remodel that and create a different user experience that would make it easy for anyone to manage their investments, open new investments, whatever the case might be. Yeah. So my first team that was uh, that I was allocated to was meant to manage the legacy system that existed. <laughs> and then within this team, there was this lady called Danny who actually reminded me of Professor Michelle because I automatically resonated with Danny. She was the only other female. Um, she was actually the only senior software engineer at Alan Gray, and she's a woman, um, just so happened to be a white woman, but very cool. And so I sat next to Danny and I was like, Danny, guess what? You are going to take me under your wing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm gonna do everything that you're doing. I don't care what team I'm allocated to. If you go there, I'm coming with you. And Danny used to laugh all the time and she thought I was kidding. So Danny was assigned to this new team that was meant to build the new APIs for yeah. this new platform. Basically migrated to something that looks cooler, funkier, with new 
tech stack that I was not familiar with. Mm-hmm. So first thing Danny says, are you, do you know Scala? I'm like, what is that? <laughs> she says, this is a new language we're going to use to build these APIs. And I was like, no, Danny, I don't. But I can learn. I can learn this in a week and I will join <laughs> you and I will build those APIs with you. And it's Danny the courage for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now the, the, the product manager who was a good friend of mine, uh, Irfan, wanted to deter me because he was like, no, Tibbs, I mean, you just came fresh out of university. You're going to waste our time. Please just don't even bother. You, you can join this team after a year. And I said, no, 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 please. Like, I swear, just give me like two months. If I don't deliver any value, you can, you can roll me off this project. And it was like, okay. So the only missing part about this uh, a microservice is one that has to calculate some very complex uh, interest, so unitized interest on a daily, and it has to be as accurate as possible. And he said, this thing, there's a formula that exists that the Quans guys, the Quans guys are the people that studied actuary, actuarial science. They are the cleverest of all the people in the <laughs> company. So you need to figure out a way to take that model that they built and make it into code oh, and wow. come and show me it has to be accurate. I have an Excel model that it has to match. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay, okay, fine. Okay. And he says, you have a sprint. I think he gave me a sprint of two sprints, which is two weeks. Yeah. And at first I was like, wait, was this built on the legacy system? And he said, yeah, but it's not very accurate. This That one is always off by these many bases and whatever. And I was like, okay, so good enough would be that same version, right? And he said, yeah, okay, it's fine. And I was like, okay, fine. So I ended up talking to these Quans guys, this guy called Mashudu, I remember, so smart, it went over my head what he was saying. <laughs> I literally did not understand anything that he was saying. And now I had convinced this, these people to put me on this team yeah. with these super smart people because they really wanted to get this project done well. And I forced myself into that situation and I said, I'll learn and I'll upskill and first thing I realized is, damn, I think I may have punched way above my mm-hmm. <laughs> my weight here. But again, I don't think this is the time to give up. So yeah. let's get on with it, right? And as I was having these conversations, I don't know, my brain works in weird ways sometimes. I had conversations with a few people, the Quants people, the someone who was giving me all these formulas, someone gave me a formula according to finance this one gave me a formula according to actuary and 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 but in my mind I was like no this sounds like a mathematical problem um in fact I, I think it sounds like whatever we're looking for is where the graph touches the x-axis yeah and you know the, the, the project manager's like what the hell are you talking about I don't I don't understand what you're saying but just model this thing, show me I have an Excel to compare. If your outcomes match exactly what the Excel says when you put the same inputs, then I'm happy. So I did this new uh, algorithm using this mathematical formula, which is literally looking at where points in a graph that touches the x-axis and the highest x, where the highest uh, value is, is really what the the thing is what you know those interests that we're looking at yeah so I did that and uh I was like okay send me a sample to test with and he did and matched exactly and I was like hmm 
this works this this can't be real <laughs> exactly i was like this can't be real wait before i tell him i was like send me a bit more like yeah. maybe make it a hundred values or something and he did and it matched to like you know when it's like uh comma zero 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 yeah. to the sixth number oh after goodness. the coma yeah and i was like mm, i don't know i don't know but hey come 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 and see and he came and he was like what the hell tibbs what the hell what did you do <laughs> and he was like this wait this the 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 last version that we built was so inaccurate we had mm-hmm. to even kind of you know say that it's an estimation he's like how did you work this out i was like i don't know i i just use this algorithm it's a mathematical thing that i was trying to explain to you but you didn't want to listen but this is the result and he was like oh my god tips okay fine this is good i think it's really you know whatever send it to qa and, and things and i was so amazed also not at myself but at the yeah. fact that this thing the curiosity because yeah. I, was, I was really just trying things really i i didn't know mm-hmm. what i was doing yeah and it just worked out um and from there danny was like okay tips you're gonna be my partner in this we're gonna build the back end <laughs> completely the two of us and wow. we have a deadline of six months and i was like okay cool happy because for me the exciting part and the thrill was the learning and having mm-hmm. people that are so experienced that I can come, you know, learn from. I mean, I had a book, what which was just writing terminology. You know, yeah. these tech people that are so high up, you don't know yeah. what they mean. And then, and then everything write. is thrown at you. It and you is, like... Yeah. So I was there, and I had this book every day. I think I had at least ten terms that I had no idea, you know, what they meant. Microservice API, mm-hmm. this integration gateway, middleway, what. And I'll go research every single day those 10 terms, what they mean. The next day I come in, I know um, how they work and what they mean. Um, And so that allowed me to, I guess, accelerate a lot of my learning Mm -hmm. and my career. And I think it was kind of carried through throughout where um, regardless of what projects I'm put on, um, I always try to work with people that are a lot more experienced than me, try to find someone that is very clever that is very experienced that I always pair with um and in every kind of when I think back in my career I always had that one person that um I knew mm. I could look up to and who can kind of yeah put me under their wing yeah so yeah that's that that was my day-to-day it it was wow. challenging um but I think I also made it really challenging for myself yeah <laughs> Yeah, I really, really tried to push myself. Um, and I'm glad in many cases it didn't bomb out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a, a proper adventure, especially when you are starting off your career. And mm-hmm. I imagine that someone is listening to this and they're like at that very peak of uh, start of the, the beginning of their career and they are they're like just overwhelmed with with just everything and mm. not not really sure what to follow as a roadmap if there is a roadmap and mm. at all for someone who's starting off what would you say is like a winner for you that one thing that one can pick up and then thrive with their very early days in their career yeah i mean so i think 
being overwhelmed is definitely a normal thing. I mm -hmm. certainly did. I think the thing that helped me was really finding that one person, like I said, who was more experienced yeah. and the person that I could trust to ask stupid questions. So I literally appointed her without her volunteering. Sometimes you do need to do this. And I just said, Danny, you're going to be my person. I am going to ask you all the stupid things. I'm going to have lunch with you every day. You're oh my goodness, even lunch? Every Monday. <laughs> Girl, I was not missing out on any opportunity. The only thing that I couldn't do was follow Danny home or in the bathroom. Shout but out to Danny, I man. Sure. <laughs> exactly. I was like, whatever meetings you're having, please tag me along. I know I won't understand half of the things that are being said. But please, and she did. And every in every meeting, she was like, "Oh, sorry, guys, I'm just bringing my mentee." Um, <laughs> and then at the end, it was like, "Okay, my partner," because everyone knew Jenny and Tabucho were like the team, so you can't yeah. you know bring one into a sprint and not the other. So I think what was important was having one person, find one person that you're comfortable to be around, and and maybe those relationships sometimes need to be forged. Um, but just be brave enough to trust one person who can then help you um, give you the guidance you need, who maybe even would open the doors for you, mentor you and help you gain those technical experiences. But I think the worst thing you can do is suffer alone and yeah. think that, you know, somehow you're going to figure it out because you'll always be overwhelmed. Um, and there is just no formula. There's no formula mm -hmm. on how what a workplace should be like how well you should adopt to any workplace um yeah. so i think having just one person like a really a partner in crime in some mm -hmm. in some instances can really make that experience a lot easier yeah um, yeah yeah wow yeah i hope someone is listening and then they're able to take this and know that you don't have to suffer alone and Talking about suffering alone, you and I worked for, for a consulting firm together. And I remember, I think it was my third month in, in the company. I felt like the space was just like, just too much for me. Like I was mm. very much overwhelmed. And mm. I don't know if you knew at the time because you reached out to me. And I was like, that was just, I don't know if you know how, what you did to me at that point, because it was just really one of those moments where you are looking at the space and for me it felt like floating I was really really just floating everybody looks like they have their life figured out and mm. I'm new into the space and and in your in your reaching out to me you pretty much were like hey listen I know the space can be big and can swallow you that for me and also like you sharing your story of your early days within the firm was like mm this is relatable this is actually what I'm going through right now mm. and I remember even like, if I cried on the call or after the call but it was <laughs> crying at some point yeah <laughs> I don't remember yeah. that part but I know there was crying at some point because it was just really that element of um, hey there's someone who actually firstly care but also hey everything that I feel like I'm going through right now is oh thank you literally did um yeah but, <laughs> yeah talking about the firm we we worked together in the firm and yeah. uh, we were both consultant for someone who actually firstly doesn't know what consulting is and what is a day in a consultant <laughs> looking like 
Um, yeah. How does that look like? Um, I guess for me, the way I understood it was, hey, here's an opportunity to solve uh, different problems for different uh, companies. And so your role is to be a problem solver, first and foremost, mm -hmm. but also apply your technical skills in solving those problems. That's how I understood being a consultant. But I guess yeah. really what it was is was you're a software engineer applying mm -hmm. your skills to many different um, problems that I guess the different clients were facing. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, I think at first when I got hired, uh, I was excited because I thought, hmm, where I was at Ellen Gray was fantastic. Um, I think because of that very quick ramp up of mm -hmm. learning, I just it just, just got to a point where it was when it hit the normal state, I got bored. I got bored yeah. because, well, there's no more APIs to build. There's nothing new. Yeah. Now I just have to maintain this maintain, old code that yeah. I, you know. And so when this opportunity came, it sounded like something I needed to step into. But the reality of it, I think when when we had this conversation was it was far more overwhelming because the culture is different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's just so much that uh, isn't necessarily the normal um, ways of working in your respective roles if you're not a consultant. And if you haven't done it before, it really is overwhelming. And I think what really overwhelmed me more than just the work itself, because I think to some extent, I really loved applying my mind to the different types of problems. Yeah. But it was the people, the management, the culture that made it so cutthroat, unnecessarily cutthroat, yeah. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the piece initially that I struggled with. Um, and I know that what made a difference for me was finding someone like Tabo who could take me under his wings, finding someone mm -hmm. like um victoria who's been at the firm long enough to say this is how you navigate you know these yeah. this kind of culture and so i knew that if i hadn't found those people if those people haven't found me that i would have been so overwhelmed i probably would have just not even felt i was good enough to apply yeah. myself uh when in reality you are and so when i when you joined the team i realized that you you didn't necessarily have that initially Mm -hmm. And I knew for for me, the risk when I was in your shoes was it would, would have been too much. Yeah. And so I couldn't, I was like, shoot, here's another like woman of color in tech, really, uh, who was probably sold some, I don't want to say dream, but, <laughs> you know, there was um, a reality that was painted that may not be the actual experience for you. And also understanding how, those promises didn't quite translate into uh, reality for some people like us. I felt it was my responsibility as well to pass on this this gift of, I guess, what other people gifted me to make sure that I could find my feet. Yeah. Um, and so it was really just that it was like, I, I really just, I would not even have blamed you <laughs> if you left <laughs> after that. But I was like, no, I mean, I, I really just can't let, I can't let the sister just, you know, go Love off like this. And yeah, and I think that the risk for me was obviously I was seeing myself in you. Mm -hmm. It was also like, if I let you, if I don't do something right now, there's a possible risk that you may go on 
for a few years thinking that you're not good enough and that yeah. is not the truth right yeah. and I just wanted to make sure that just doesn't manifest um in 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 your life and and I think that was because other people also saved me yeah um which made a difference to me as well so I'm glad it also did it made a yeah. difference honestly um, it did because yeah. I was like like uh, I, I don't think in those three months I have ever very much kudos to you for 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 that and and why do you think it's important to actually like really just um step up and and really just be like an ally for other people um sometimes mm. even when they didn't ask for it because like mm. in my case I had not like reached out to you um I think and I, and I don't think it was out of fear the thing is with me I did not know what I didn't know so mm, it just felt yeah. like the space where you are like hey um maybe this is the culture maybe this is how things are done here and yeah. maybe you just yeah. you just not for the space in a way yeah. yeah I think look I think the importance for me to being the one reaching out is that the truth is there's not many black women in tech right mm -hmm. globally yeah and that truth has nothing to do with that fact that they aren't sorry the fact that there are enough black women studying computer science mm -hmm. and I think I, re I remember reading a study that might have been a Harvard study that said a lot of women in tech end up not going for tech careers because the environment's um that those careers are housed in are not accommodative of women period yeah. so imagine being a woman of color um and who codes and 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 so it just really is impossible so for me i, I think i've taken it up uh, uh, you know upon myself to say if i do find another woman in tech one who i can look up to great free mentor for me if it's someone that's below me or on my level great I can apply the learnings that I get, I got from other people that have passed yeah. us that knowledge. And if anything, I could just be a buddy, right? Um, because I, with my experience, can see how many challenges, maybe different challenges to me, could even hinder someone who looks like me to want to progress in, in that tech space. So I think the importance of reaching out is, is one, making sure that other women that come after us still see versions of themselves in us who created enough of an environment it could have it couldn't even be it could even be a micro environment in in the scale of really tech but if that micro environment has one other person that is there to hold your hand and say look I feel you I understand why you feel this way and it's okay and it has nothing to do with your talent how smart you are and it should not discount uh, you you should never really feel like you need to discount or dilute yourself in those spaces I think that makes a huge difference because 20 years from now, if there is no Tulani who codes or a Tulani who never coded the long, you know, however long that she did or mm -hmm. became a software engineer, however long that she did, then it may also be the decision for someone who's only yet to be born 20 years from now, yeah. deciding whether or not they're going to take the career of their dream or not. Right. Um, and so that representation does matter. And yeah. the few of us that are in tech have the responsibility to make sure that other people that can come in tech at least have some something to look up to. That yeah. there is a girl with kinky hair uh, or dreadlocks or whatever that looks like them 
literally grew up in rural Limpopo or wherever else corners of the world that um, may not even be discoverable on the map. Yeah. Um, and that it's okay to dream big enough to either build a Google yourself or work for Google um, or even do whatever crazy things we probably can't think of right now. So it only takes, I think the only thing that matters and what and why it's important for each of us is that we do play that role, is that us existing like this in these spaces makes a difference. And so we need to make sure that we, we pass that on to the next generation. Um, and that sometimes requires us reaching out to the other people and just, you know, being that um, that light in, in some cases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to the many, uh, on behalf of the many women that you, you get to really just give of your, yourself to and myself, thank you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really important. Um, everything that you're mentioning is very much important because at the end of the day, we definitely want to have that representation. And mm -hmm. it's crazy that to this day, um, move around in, in multiple spaces. I still work as a, like a code of however long. And in every space that you find yourself, you find yourself being the only, and it comes back to the very same thing that you're mentioning that, um, people then pivot and take other, other careers mm -hmm. because the space is not really like receptive for them. And mm -hmm. I guess it's, it's really important to, for us to actually just take it as a responsibility uh, to actually like just bring and and reach out and and be allies and it's 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 really important thank you for for doing that um just with so much grace so i actually want us to go now actually talk about akiva but before we talk about akiva i think just as an inside in information for myself i know when you actually like um then left the firm you were pretty much um going to study um mm. and then <laughs> and then i hear yeah. that akiva and like <laughs> she was going to do her masters like what happened there was it like was it yeah. your exit strategy or what's the story? <laughs> well, um, no, my exit strategy was, my plan was to take a sabbatical yeah. and go study my master's. And in, he was around, it was machine learning, I think in AI mm -hmm. in Switzerland. So I, you know, got a part of my studies covered by the firm. And the agreement was for me to come back and work um, the time off. So with that plan in mind, I kicked off my master's. And just before I left, actually, my co-founder now, or a friend of mine then, and um, approached me and said, hey, you know, we're thinking of building this digital bank in South Africa. We need someone to guide us on the technical side. Um, you know, I know that you've had some experience. Can you share? Um, because you did a study in Southeast Asia in Jakarta, um, around like building a digital bank, etc. So could you share some of those knowledge? And then and, and I was like, okay, sure, happy to sit with you guys and like share what I know. Um, and so when I sat with the team then, um, they kind of explained their vision for Akiba. That was Akiba 0.001, probably. Yeah. And 
you know, weirdly, I was like, oh my God, that's fantastic. Like, it's not just the bank that you want to build, but it's like this vision around it of trying to help um, people access financial opportunities. And there's an aspect uh, of that that I didn't realize my career had exposed me to a lot of financial services. Um, and I was like, that makes so much sense. I'm really happy to help you guys and like help you build the architecture from what I know. I'm not an expert, by the way, but from my experience, I can help. So I remember doing that. Um, and I was like, you know, but I can't help much because I signed up for this master's and, you know, kind of starting in, in September. So yeah, can't, can't do much. What ended up happening was I could not stop thinking about this Akiba thing, this yeah. vision and how much impact it could have on the continent and and many other people, especially, you know, um, African people on the continent. So I went in my master's three months later. I was like, no, I really, I don't think it's fair that my mind is split. Like, I really can't stop thinking about this thing. And my friend kept coming. Hey, so we need this thing. So what do you think about this regulation? Hey, so we need to apply for this banking license and, and, and. And I was like, okay, no, I, I really think I should just quit. Um, I can always do my master's later. And weirdly enough, I literally made that decision, sent my mom an FYI. And um, I remember reaching out to the firm and saying, yeah, this is what's happening. I'm happy to refund you guys. Um, I asked the school first. I was like, okay, confirm you can refund me my tuition because I haven't done more than a quarter or I've just done a quarter. And they're like, yeah, we can. And I, I really pushed for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so ended up, you know, trying to settle the this the refunds and um, you know, made sure I paid back and I was free from anything or anyone. Um and that's when I was like, okay, maybe I can give this thing a try. Um, and let me just see what I can do to help bring this thing to life. So that was really how the transition happened with Akiba. Uh, it was predominantly around the vision that that captivated me. Um, and two, it was really a lot of the, what made sense was, was it just felt like my career and all my experiences led me to that point. Um, yeah. And so at that time, I felt the, com the compulsion to really see it through. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Wow, that yeah. is that is so beautiful. And I guess for someone listening right now, um, we are busy talking about Akiba and they actually mm -hmm. have never heard of Akiba and what Akiba does. What is Akiba and what do you guys do? Yeah. And also so just I to can... mention that you are the founder and CEO. <laughs> I'm talking to a CEO, yeah. guys. <laughs> wow. So Akiba is a financial technology company or think. Uh, fintech as most people call it in the streets um, and as a fintech based in South Africa we now use alternative data sources to help small businesses access financing um, and open I guess gain financial opportunities what that really means in simple lay terms is we use things like a business cash flow or, or transactions, right? That they either receive from 
their bank accounts or their point of sale devices or from their mobile money accounts or wherever. And we use that data to create a, a, a credit score for them to then use to get, um, get access financing from banks or other kinds of lenders. Uh, why we pivoted to being that one, because we couldn't get our banking license, um, but that's a story for another day. But two, um, we realized very early on what we were trying to get to, which was to get, um, you know, give people some sort of open up financial opportunities for the African consumer was it was always an issue when we, when small businesses in particular, couldn't access financing from uh, lenders like banks who can provide that um, those business loans or whatever sorts of financing at a much cheaper rate than, than the current so-called loan sharks are able to do. And the only difference was that they couldn't get money from a bank, but they could get money from a loan shark because loan sharks didn't care whether or not you had a credit score, but banks did. And when banks use their traditional credit scores, like, you know, the transunions or whatever, with the small business, they just can't get anything because the small business has never been uh, given a formal loan before. Yeah. They are not in any record. And so they just get a hard no. Um, and at that time, we realized we can solve this problem using data that is available to any small business. And that's really the cash flow data or, rev or revenue trade record to then motivate uh, banks as to why they, you know, have the certain level of risk or not. So that's kind of what we do in a nutshell. Um, and yes, I started as the co-founder and CTO and recently moved to being CEO. Um, well, not recently, it's been three, four years now. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, that sounds um, really beautiful and also very inspirational um it's it's beautiful to 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 have to to be able to see it and have a mirror of someone who actually looks like you doing really great i i, I want to be honest with you um you are a proper reference and like if if you want a reference like a black woman killing it in wow. the industry your name tend to come up every now and then because i think you're just really doing great. Um, and I, I imagine that there's like, there's a lot of lessons that you've get, you've gotten from like building Akiva in general. Um, yeah. what are, what are some of the lessons that you've gotten from, from the experience of actually having to build something from ground up? Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I just don't want to glamorize it or romanticize it in any way. At this stage, I think having had devoted most of my career to building Akiba I thought you know I'd be breathing and like oof, be easy but man the challenges never stop so yeah I think that's the one thing that I learned and I remember uh, a few weeks ago I spoke to another female co-founder of a tech company that's killing it in Nigeria mm -hmm. and I was just like you know I think I'm starting to feel like I'm missing something. Like maybe I'm not really cut out for this because why is it that the problems never stop? And she said something very important to me. And she said, look, I think the thing we beat, beat ourselves up as founders is that we feel we should be giving 100% or that we always have 100% to give to our business, businesses. 
And most of the time, like in life, you won't always have 100% energy to give. And so you should be okay with giving 20% sometimes, especially when you're tired and actually taking time to rest because this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really resonated with me because a lot of the challenges for me was one, as an entrepreneur, it often feels like an internal, I said this sometimes, I was like, it feels like a spiritual battle, this building (laughs) a business because A lot of times you face your own demons, which is yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like that imposter syndrome comes back to you. You find yourself being in rooms where you're the youngest, you're the female, you're, you know, disadvantaged in so many ways. Um, But that's the room that you need to be in. And you have to kind of stand up with your head held high and trusting that you're there for a reason. Um, And a lot of it is, there's often this battle at the back of your mind when you have to pitch an investor, uh, when you have to pitch in front of a customer, when you have to, you know, convince an employee who's really talented why they should join um, your business. And that self-talk determines everything. So if it is, oh, shoot, oh, you know, today I kind of feel, eh, the results will also be meh. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where it's really hard. And that's where I realized I just can't do this on my own. It, it And that's why I said it just really felt like a spiritual experience yeah. for so long um, because it really just really felt like, hey, you know, God, you sent me to do this. Come on, like, let's yeah. show up, fam. Let's, like, yeah. <laughs> let's really lift each other up here because some days I don't feel like showing up. Some days I don't know the answers, but everyone expects answers from you. Um, and a lot of times it also feels like that vision that you're seeing that is so clear in your mind uh getting the things that you have right now I mean it's it's almost like saying you have soil and stones and you're you have this conviction that with the soil and stones you can build a plane right the physics and the reality of it proves you otherwise no. just say yeah. it's impossible that's not right and so exactly and so it, it often feels that that's where a lot of my challenges um came and I think it was until I read this book called visioneering which I think any, everyone should read okay um so visioneering really maps out how in life a lot of times you know God calls you to something greater than you can possibly imagine and that could be a vision that could be uh, a mission to uh, it could be you know it doesn't have to be a business it it can literally be some project that you feel a deep inclination to a specific problem that you feel you need to solve or even running for president you know for that matter so whatever it is a lot of times you will feel something you know in your gut calling you to do something bigger and when you know it's God is when you know that thing is bigger than who you are and what you're capable of doing like there's just no way in your strength in your capability to get it done and so you're having to trust that there is some sort of higher power that is calling you to fulfill that Um, and you also when you do that have to put your ego aside because it has nothing to do with you 
you know I think a lot of people are like oh see oh this isn't for me I'm just like (laughs) if you knew it's a title but hey I'm really just a vessel here like I I can't even take credit for where we are now just as when it is the time for it to come to an end I can now take you know I, I can't let my ego take uh the hit because when I re- you know the understanding of it is like I just needed to be a conduit to get it from point A to point B and yeah. whatever that process is is beyond me and that's okay I can only just do the, the best that I can do is just show up every day and some days that's enough and some days yeah. I half show up that's also okay right yeah. so that's that's what really got me through so um, uh so far also traveling does get me through yes yeah. things um, definitely all so the always, <laughs> <laughs> yes i always was like i need a little break from <laughs> all this entrepreneurial stuff and like building things that feel so hard and almost mm-hmm. impossible at times so yeah that's that's kind of I guess, sorry, I, I deviated from your question, but it was around the challenges. And I yeah. just kind of answered how I um, somehow manage yeah. Uh, yeah. some of those challenges. Yeah. 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 If it ever gets hard, please just know that you have a huge community cheering for you. And um, you. I think this community wants you to win at all costs because um, your win and everything that you're doing is all our win and and genuinely so you you are really doing well and it's really inspirational to actually even take that leap of faith to have I can't imagine how it's like to actually have an entire uh, group of people relying on you for salaries right that's a huge responsibility <laughs> talking about actually having yeah. people who are relying on you for like uh salaries um you have been an employee at some point in your life and now you switch roles you are now uh the employer how mm-hmm. how are you now applying some of like or are you at all applying some of the struggles that you've had as an employee and intentionally avoiding them for your employees in this case? Yeah, um, I do try. So I think one of the things that I appreciated about the opportunity of being an entrepreneur was the fact that I can now define a culture mm-hmm. that makes sense for me as an employee or what I would have loved. Um, And one of the things that I remember specifically saying to my co-founders was, I want to work in a place where being a woman of color in tech is not a big deal. Um, And two, I want to also work in a place where we can create an environment that allows those different personas of people in tech to feel comfortable so you know the nerds the weirdos the whatever is the creatives um, to feel at home in such a space and to always show up or to feel like they can show up as their best selves so that was kind of the environment I wanted to create Um, I can't now self-proclaim that it is perfect I think it's far from perfect but the intention still is to do that and so very early on one of my first hires was a uh, head of people and head of people is there to make sure people's needs are met and to take care of 
culture and make sure that the culture is fun, that we uh, have wellness at top of mind, that yes, burnout is always going to be a thing, but that as a company, we have ways to prevent burnout and make sure that people can show up as their best selves. So we, you know, I can't, again, I can't claim that it's a perfect culture in any way whatsoever, but I think the learnings that I had and the experiences of being an employee allowed me to say, that's definitely not what I want. I really don't want to work in a toxic workplace because I know the detrimental effects that it has on people. Um, I also don't want people working in a place where they feel like they are imposter and they have no outlet for that. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and those were some of the important things. Oh, another very important thing, we come to our office, it just feels like, every. I mean, every time I come to the office, I feel like, it feels like a ray of sunshine because it, for me, I wanted to work in a workplace that made me feel happy. Like immediately I walk in, I'm like, oh, the colors just make sense. So it was like so much yellow in the office and, 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 and like even the physical space itself for me was important. And I wanted to make sure like people. Um, who work at Akiba also, you know, could could experience that or at least have a good enough space that could enable them to to be their best selves. Yeah. Wow. You should have seen your face light up as soon as you talk about you talk <laughs> about the environment in your office. Um, yeah, that's that's beautiful, man. So um going forward, what does success look like? What is a picture? I, I imagine you have a picture of like how you you want Akiva to look like and at mm. its best in this case what is that picture yeah. for you yeah I think if you asked me this a year ago I would have said oh be a unicorn be a billion dollar company you know <laughs> um and I think now still want to be a unicorn but a different kind of unicorn and the way I define unicorn is to build a business that has the potential to impact a billion people's lives positively. Um, and I think how I think about it now is when I think about how uh, the role that a small business plays in society is on average, especially in South Africa, a single small business every month touches on average, I think, 20 people. Right. So you have maybe five people that you pay as a small business, um, but those people feed five other people. Um, and so the direct impact in helping one small business grow and scale or, you know, continue to operate um, means that you can then have a, rip, a kind of a massive impact um, in society. So that's kind of how I think about it. I'm like, but hey, if I can just do a fraction of that um i'm more than happy so i think right now we are sitting at twelve thousand small businesses in sa directly wow. um so if that's i think huge. of that multiplier effect yeah um, wow. that's that's pretty cool so yeah to think, to think that technology firstly has the power to impact those many people and give access is incredible and i think for me right now, the success is to have that Im positive impact um, on the continent as a whole. I think, you know, if we just look at how many societies and many economies on the continent are in very dire situations, 
we tend to focus a lot of our energies on that and forgetting how a lot of these small businesses are employing more than 60% of the population. These yeah. are people that are sec taking these sacrifices every single day, regardless of all the odds that are stacked up against them. Um, and if I could play a role in some way to help this kind of person who wakes up every single day to make sure many other people are employed or many their families are fed um, and, and, and in any small way, I think that for me is like what success is for Akiba. Oh man, this conversation has just been like really heartwarming for me. I'm just like, oh, she's so cool. <laughs> Honestly, you really, you really, really inspire me in in many levels. And I, I imagine that someone listening to this as well is really inspired. So really, continue doing what you do. It's it's really, it's it's really commendable. It's it's commendable work. It's important work, and yeah, man. I am just filled and and really like more than anything, really happy for you and really proud of you and what you do. So I we are about to wrap up this conversation. Uh, mm -hmm. this there's probably like someone, um, a female in technology who aspired mm -hmm. to be a tech founder. And there's like so many doubts that they have in their mind on on actually just taking that leap of faith. What do you have? What do you tell them? Hmm. I think the thing I'll say is reach out to someone. Mm -hmm. If you don't have anyone to reach out to, reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, on Instagram, if you follow me or wherever, really, just reach out. Um, I think a lot of things is what stops us is what we, you know, the things that we don't know, as you said. Um, and that then cripples us into a fear or a place where it's just fear-based. Um, so I would say reach out. If you just don't know how to start, reach out to someone who is in tech, who you admire. It doesn't have to be a woman in tech. It could be a guy in tech. Most guys tend to be aggressive or arrogant, just FYI. <laughs> but if they are, do reach out to other women in tech because they tend to be very accommodative and they can make time. Yeah. Um, I think that's the first thing I would say. And for those that just wanted to hear this and have the capability to start just start really like you already know how to build websites so that's great right um so start there give it a name write it down write down your slogan go and create this website which should not take you more than a week or however long that you wanted to take you but make sure you give yourself a deadline because um, if you create something in secrecy and you never actually want to put it out in the public, it'll never become a reality. So start with whatever you have and make sure you share it with one other person. I'd say in a week's time. So I like to give myself weekly deadlines. Um, so the challenge I'd say, if you are in this position and you feel like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is the conversation I needed to get started. Go and start the website and launch it in a week, put it on the internet um and and that's really what it takes right um yeah that's that's really all I can say yeah you have had it if you're listening at home and you're sitting with that idea that can potentially change the world they will host mm -hmm. just that because I mean you don't have anything to lose at this point if anything if it doesn't work out you have lessons um so exactly. yeah 
just that. Uh, thank you so much. I don't want to lie to you. I'm filled with so much inspiration. This has filled me and I believe that I'm not the only one. I've asked you to write a letter to your younger 10 year old self. And right now I'm going to give you the time to read it in your own voice. Okay. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I also really appreciate having me on your platform and so, so excited for, you know, you using and creating this platform and you're using your voice to reach out to many other women in tech. I think this is definitely important work. Um, yeah. And I also feel that uh, you play a significant role, right, in being that conduit that um, places that voice that people needed to hear to mm -hmm. start and maybe to even believe in themselves. Um, so really kudos to you as well for, for this incredible platform. It's, it's actually really, really powerful. I hope one day Oprah interviews you. So <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> when that happens, hit me up, girl. I will be your help. Anyway, let me, let me not, uh, <laughs> but that's my hope for you. I really hope Aww. that it reaches. You are um, thinking then being, thank you. I really appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I think in uh, kind of reciting this letter, I I don't necessarily have a specific, I haven't written this letter necessarily, but I do have an idea what I want to say to my 10-year-old. So I would start with... Dear Dabohol, um, thank you for taking the time to play. Um, thank you for your free spirit to want to create those little minds with, with, with uh, soil, um, for breaking the branches on those banana trees and yes, getting a hiding for it, for building that radio from literally nothing um, and yes, you got electrocuted for, for it, but you're still alive. So that must be a sign from God. <laughs> um, in all, I think I just want to thank you for not um, harboring a lot of the, I guess, things that you may have not understood about life, um, the things that may have or may have tried to inflict fear. But in some sense, you just didn't focus on that stuff and you continued to play. So thank you for that. Um, I think I remember you in that black and white outfit as Sarafina at the graduation of kindergarten. And I remember how bubbly you were, but also weirdly shy and, and like, you know, coy and how many people were con confused by the fact that someone, um, a little girl with that kind of energy could also be so introverted. Um, and now I think I understand that it is possible for you to exist in in such, in such a way, um, for you to be in interested in so many things um, and also choose to have your own quiet moments, um, to want to create, but also retrieve into yourself 
to want to be out there, but also inwards at the same time. I don't think obviously as a young girl, you understood, but that's really what our escape was when we sucked our thumb, right? That was that's <laughs> that was the inward um, kind of way to, to draw yourself inwards. So that's kind of what I want to thank you for. And thank you for um, being a good student, for getting the good grades, but also not uh, prioritizing that over drawing and being creative and also not prioritizing that over playing um, and also not prioritizing that over um, being uh, a good daughter and attentive to your mom and also not prioritizing that over going to church um, and so really what I'm learning from you as a 10 year old is that it is possible to have a well-rounded life um, and to not define yourself by what your parents, your peers, your no, the notions of what society thinks of you as a little girl. And especially because you were born in a specific area um, of a different color with a different hair, tex uh, hair texture. So I am really grateful that those minor things in life did not box you in a box because you're more than that. Um, and you showed me that you are more than that. So yeah, thank you. Wow. That little girl sounds like a good vibe. I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I'm like, where is she? <laughs> like, where is she? Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah. So beautiful so beautiful so how how do people reach out to you um or rather like uh, you or akiba which whichever one you are you're comfortable sharing yeah so i am usually not very responsive on social media so please don't take offense <laughs> if i don't respond but um i am on linkedin i'm on twitter i am on instagram i am i have an email address that i can also share um, I think the best way to probably reach out would be either LinkedIn, Twitter, or I'd say LinkedIn or Twitter. Twitter is at Dabucho underscore Rosa. Um, LinkedIn is Dabucho Mokwena. You should find me even if you Google Akiba. Either way, I think it'll show me the profile. Um, and if you do want to connect at Akiba, it's info at akibadigital.com. Usually, depending on the query, we would that gets forwarded directly to me or to talent or to whoever that you want to connect with um, at Akiba. So, yeah. Oh, thank you, Devoha. This has been great. And you're listening at home. Thank you for joining me in this episode of She Talks Tech. If you enjoyed our discussion and found it inspiring, I encourage you to follow and share the podcast. By doing so, you will never miss an episode and can help spread the empowering stories of women in technology and STEM. Let's work together to break barriers, shatter stereotypes, and build more inclusive and diverse future. Join the conversation, follow and share the She Talks Tech podcast. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to having you with me in the future.